if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode five of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will. Picking through the last fortnight's international break and with me today, as usual, I have George Harker, an ever more despondent Leeds fan. Hello, George. Yeah, everything's back to how it should be. Good evening. And uh, just as uh, luck would have it away for a week this week is our resident Man United fan, Nick Gilmer, just when it's all kicked off at Old Trafford. So he went through all those weeks of wondering if Oli was going to be sacked and what would happen next. And now that it's happened, he's run away, of course. In his place, though, we have guesting with us Paul Caputo. Hello, good evening. Uh, Chester wine critic and all-round entrepreneur and Blackburn Rovers fan. So it's all red socks and moccasins Monday to Friday and tracksuits and traditional long ball and bovril in the Ribble Valley on a Saturday. Isn't that right, Paul? <laughs> yes, nicely done. Um, only one of those uh, characterizations is truly authentic. <laughs> Spot on in my experience anyway. Uh, we have we've not talked about Rovers yet. You won't be surprised to hear. You're sitting there eighth in the championship. 27 points and there's always two ways to to see it in the championship isn't there because you're two points off the playoffs but a rather less glamorous way of putting it is you're a point above Millwall. That is one way of putting it. I mean I think we failed to grasp the magic and the romance of the championship in that somewhat flippant and condescending analysis of the championship. Uh, Uh, Because it's not about points is it? Not about points especially not about points in November. It's about the 45 games you've got to get through. It's about the uh, the winter slog that is just on the horizon. Right, well, I look forward to you apprising us on that uh, later on. That's what you're here for, really, uh, as well as your um, insight and wit on uh, Premier League and international football, which I'm sure you've kept abreast of over the last few days, haven't you? Uh, I certainly have. I was able to take in um, Italy's performance in Northern Ireland. A goalless draw for Northern Ireland, which we will hopefully have time to get to. But of course, we must start with our game, George. Leeds travelling to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's got to be done. Quick and painless. Now, I was at this game and uh, you messaged me beforehand with all sorts of negativity saying I should take three points before I even arrived, all sorts of nonsense like that. I told you you that stranger things have happened. And uh, then come halftime, Leeds were 1-0 up, having played much the better football. And uh, I was nothing less than despondent at halftime because I could not believe uh, the way they represented themselves and the way this team represented Antonio, Antonio Conte in his first home league match. I was very, very impressed by Leeds first half. I didn't really realise that so much while I was there because I was really angry with the inert Spurs performance first half, which seemed no different to the Nuno team of the last few weeks and months. But watching the highlights back last night, I realised how good Leeds were first half, how energetic they were, how they closed everything down, stopped us playing. Whenever we did have any sort of ideas going forward, Leeds cut them out and uh, certainly deserved to score towards the end. So just focusing on that more enjoyable first half, what did you make of that? Yeah, the proverbial game of two halves, wasn't it? I was just surprised how much possession you gave us from the very first minute. 
because I genuinely wasn't massively interested in watching it, learning that uh, Rafinha and Rodrigo had succumbed to injuries the day before the game. But yeah, they're absolutely full of energy performance, as you say. First half, lots of pressing. There were several Spurs players commentary didn't even mention till yep. maybe 20, 25 minutes into the game, which I was not expecting at all. As you said, stranger things had happened and I was starting to believe you. But it, I think there's two reasons why I think it changed. I think you changed your approach for the second half, which I'm sure you'll come on to. But also it was all that youthful exuberance in the first half. And by at the 60 minute mark, it had waned massively and several players were walking around. Unfortunately. Yeah. But, but lots of positives take from the first half and trying to focus on the fact that we were missing six players who played over 160 Premier League games last season for us and most uh, more than half of our goals from last season were players and, missing. Uh, so. I noticed that Calvin Phillips had to play at centre-back, which is not where I expected to see him. Yeah, and uh, to, to great effect, I thought. He's, he man-marked Kane for, yeah. for large parts of the game and really got under his skin <laughs> as well, yeah. which was quite enjoyable. We all yeah. know that uh, Leeds fans get highly sensitive when you suggest that their team has run out of gas. Do you think mm-hmm. that could have been part of it here? It was in this game, absolutely, um, because we were so short of any first-team experience to come off the bench and help out like any other Premier League team would have. We had a bench, just over 100 appearances between them, and 96 of them were from Tyler Roberts. The other players on the bench have right. just never played any first-team football. So the players on the pitch had to put so much more in, knowing that there's nothing on the bench <laughs> that can come on and change the game. And I think that's when the game really did start to swing. And I think I was worried it was going to escalate to 3-4-5-1 in the end because we just had nothing left in the end but given the injuries I'll you know I'll take a narrow defeat by one goal and you don't get more jammier goals than your winner with a deflection yeah. post open goal but you make your I mean, own look I suppose that was all the all the way at the other end from me so I won't comment mm. too much on that one but uh, you could feel that the pressure was coming Absolutely, I just couldn't yeah. believe the difference uh, after half time it started seconds into the second half didn't it when um, Kane hit the post just from kickoff. Yeah. And uh, is it, do you think it's too simplistic to think that this was just a right telling off from Conte at halftime? Yeah. And, and the booze as well, which I really was surprised yeah. about booing. I wonder if well, that really I did. I was long in this. the bar already at that point. <laughs> I wasn't there to boo. Oh, you weren't, you weren't one of the booers then. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, he, he did say in his, his, I think he speaks very good English, but he said, I didn't shout at half time. <laughs> yeah, <so>. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> I mean, the way he behaves on the touchline, it was a real, uh, it was a wonderful contrast between him um, jumping up and down like a like an absolute madman on the sideline outside his technical area the whole time and Bielsa mostly just sitting on his bucket. They couldn't have been more different. Yeah, I, I found it hard to believe that they went in and he said, come on now, lads. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a bit of it. Um, but I think uh, Reggion said that he had just told them to to press from the front more, and I th- and that, just, like you said, in the first two minutes, you could see the change, and and thus uh, ended two hundred odd hours of Premier League football without a shot on target, and suddenly yes. two goals, shots on target. I mean, it is really difficult to understand how something can turn around in one half time, but. Uh, Okay, I'll take it and I'll take the three points, which bring us back up to seventh on 19 points. So what's next for you then, George? Three must-win games, in my opinion. Oh, yes, um, this is before your, with, oh, yeah, before your terrible December that you told us about. The, the, the December of death that people are already referring to. Yes, yeah. um, we have Brighton away on Saturday and followed by Palace and Brentford, three teams we'd like to think 
we're better than. But obviously, on current league table, we are certainly not. And we have been talking up Palace on this show. Yes, I'm looking forward to them um, justifying my hype of them. Yeah, yeah, followed by Chelsea, City, Arsenal, Liverpool in December. So we really, really get some points on the board. Merry Christmas to you, George. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, starts with Brighton away, who are going a bit downhill recently, which we might come on to. So hope springs eternal. And we've got a trip to Turf Moor next Sunday, which is always a lovely place to go, isn't it, Paul? Turf Moor, yeah. I, I remember a, a couple of um, magical moments, if you like, when uh, Burnley fans smashed up their own town. <laughs> In, in response to a few tricky games with Rovers over the years. How long ago is this? Yes, to be fair, it is beginning to uh, seem quite a way back in the uh, rearview mirror now. So elsewhere this weekend, I suppose on Saturday, what stands out, although entirely predictable, George, was uh, another big defeat for the Gooners at Anfield. Yes, I watched this game always delivers goals. I don't know why this game always feels like Christmas. It always seems like a Christmas game to me. Liverpool Arsenal, I don't know why. Yeah, so put them back this one certainly felt sure. like a present. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal finding there. They're not unbeatable, thankfully. Brilliant goals from all four of Liverpool's forwards um, and some lovely touchline spats. Between, um, oh yes, Klopp Arteta, Arteta versus Klopp handbags. I didn't expect um, that, but that was that was very good and very much handbags. I can't say too much about this because we're still up there on negative six goal difference. But it is fun to see the Arsenal as high as fifth in the league and now negative four goal difference. And um, some enjoyable errors for a couple of the goals. Uh, certainly yeah. Jota's goal. Yeah, trying to play it out from the back and just. Yeah, asking it straight to Liverpool players, it was right. It was quite comical. There's been some rhetoric in recent years, recent seasons around Arsenal's big game plans, particularly away against top teams, top six sides, and um, there's not much evidence of that bringing anything positive still. But uh, I enjoy the uh, the unfailing rhetoric around it all. It was a great Saturday. Before that, wasn't it? The goals absolutely flying fun, around. Man. Yeah, absolutely. At lunchtime, Chelsea uh, cruising to a 3-0 win at Leicester. Reese James again, absolutely outstanding. Always nice to see Kante get a goal. Love what a goal as well. Lovely. Yeah, lovely player. And we've mentioned that maybe Brendan Rodgers is coming under pressure. That was another poor performance at home, albeit to a good side. Massively inconsistent, Leicester. Um, I'm steering clear of their players in my fantasy team because you just yeah. have no idea. Uh, what less is going to turn up at the moment. That's right. And just yeah. on the Chelsea wing backs, I noted that between Chilwell and Rhys James, they've now got as many goals as Norwich uh, in the league this season, which <laughs> well, might not be saying a lot, but for wing backs, I think that's pretty good. Segue uh, to Norwich, though, who have won two and two with their new manager, Dean Smith. Manager, plenty of new manager bounce this weekend. All sorts of managerial merry go round going on. And uh, Captain Grant Hanley scoring for Norwich. Is it just me or is he one of yours, Paul? He is indeed. Ex-Rovers is one of a, a long line of um, agricultural centre-backs that have yeah. uh, sort of vaguely travelled sideways in their career from Ewood Park. Ten years since this last goal, I heard. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, to be fair, he, he can only score from a corner. As, as he did. <laughs> as he did, of course, because he's not the kind of player that you'll, you'll find uh, rampaging up the pitch. He needs a good... You know, he needs the ball to go into row Z in order to make the decision to go up. Um. <laughs> so that Norwich win, together with uh, Newcastle's pulsating 3-3 draw with the Bees at Sports Direct at St. James's Park, means, hilariously enough, that Newcastle are now bottom. Still winless, 
six defeats and this point against Brentford. I still uh, would like to mention Alan Sam Maximan being incredibly entertaining and scoring again. Uh, Joe Linton scoring a goal has its own comedy value, uh, but just a great and exciting game. And uh, Brentford are going to be here for a while, aren't they? We we thought they were tanking a bit, but uh, they're showing plenty of life. Any thoughts on that game, George? Uh, yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be very entertaining. I think we might find quite a few Newcastle games on TV in the second yeah. half of the season. The ground absolutely erupted with that equaliser from St Maximan, which, yeah, like you said, still meant they were bottom of the table. So I think it's going to be, yeah. quite, I think it's going to be quite a fun few months ahead. Now, that takes us to Vicarage Road. And sadly, Nick isn't here. But I think that means we can just persistently for a few minutes at least make fun of Man United. 4-1 at Vicarage Road was what turned out to be a bridge too far for Solskjaer. It turns out it's fine to capitulate at home to your biggest rivals almost in successive weeks but what is not acceptable is losing 4-1 with 10 men at Ranieri's Watford. Um, I do wonder what, what it is they were waiting for. Exactly. And now they've wasted the classic opportunity of managerial change of the November international break. With no replacement seemingly lined up either. Some really hilarious errors and good Watford goals to give them their due. But uh, funniest of all was uh, after Donny van der Beek, of all people, scored to to haul Manchester United back into the game at 2-1. And everybody thought, "Here, here they come. Here comes Man United's second half away performance in inverted commas. Uh, Harry Maguire goes and does that. That was Sunday league level stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. It was a, you know, an overweight fella with a hangover getting <laughs> stuck in the mud and then just launching in for that second yellow. I actually, yeah, I properly did laugh out loud watching the two, highlights. Two <laughs> yellows in seven minutes. He didn't even argue, did he? Straight off. It was comical. Just find it interesting on the club's approach to all this. And despite the form and their results this season, they are only getting rid of Solskjaer. They're keeping everyone else in his back yes. team. So it's not even a mass change. It's just the one man. All sorts of rumours flying around, which I don't really want us to spend too much time on. Anyway, we've got Nick for that next week. But at time of recording, Michael Carrick will take charge of Manchester United at Stamford Bridge next week. And isn't it just perfect that they're away at the league leaders for their first game without Ollie at the wheel? Incidentally, I'd like to mention that uh, the Leeds away support was fantastic yesterday, as I knew oh, they good. would be, George. Generally well-behaved. Uh, <laughs> not entirely. As much as, as much as can be expected. Sure. I was sitting directly above them, so I had a prime vantage point. But uh, their favourite song for the day was Ollie's on the Dole, which was... Uh, Quite good, but I think most rivals would have wanted him to stay a little longer, wouldn't they? Absolutely. It was it was fun while it lasted. But I guess the entertainment hasn't stopped because the like I said, there's no planning at all, it would seem. Um, no, indeed. And he is not the problem, I don't think. <laughs> not really. He's not the root of the problems anyway. Do you know what? Is there even a problem? You know, so had United of course had, you know, if they'd have beaten Watford, they'd have been up on 20 points. You know, level on level with Arsenal at fifth, West Ham and a Champions League spot clearly. Indeed, yeah. You know, in the where they should side, be. Where they should be. So, I mean, the, there are a lot of clubs that feel like they should be up there. I mean, not everybody can be, of course. Don't I know? They might be in such disarray that they've got to sack Ollie 
seemingly with no plan. Or well, you, you've not plan. been watching Super Sunday in recent weeks. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, you know, it's it's been horrendous. Roy Keane's been on the bandwagon for uh, for some time. You know, I, I watched the interview with De Gea after the match, and it was absolutely horrendous, the interview. Did you see Bruno Fernandes pointing to the other players and walking up to the away fans at the end of the match, pointing it's, to the players, saying it's not yeah. Ollie's fault? I bet he wishes yeah. he hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, that it would have been better if they'd all just walked down the tunnel and, and done nothing at all, of course. But I, I think it's 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 the nature of the defeats, isn't it? As, as you pointed yeah, exactly. out, those, yeah. those defeats to the, the local rivals and the, yes. the big teams and you know and four four defeats in five of course is, is uh, does not look like pretty reading I did find it quite comical not not only De Gea's post-match comments saying we don't even know what to do with the ball <laughs> which is a bit worrying but um his his next comments in the public were just to say that about Ole you always did your best. <laughs> and I think that's incredibly damning. That's Pat on the say, back on the way out. Yeah, that's what you say to an underperforming, underperforming child, you know. Club legend. Do you think there's the, the case of getting the Chelsea game out of the way? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so they can have a, a nice clean start after that? I think yeah. that's what you yeah. call damage limitation, that one. Well, well I mean, nil, nil. meanwhile, uh, uh, Stevie G... Yes, thank you. We've not got to Villa Park yet. And what a start. Great goals. George, I know you'll love the fact that Tyrone Mings got oh, <laughs> pinged one in towards the end. One of your favourite players. It's a great, great finish, I must say. But uh, all joking aside, Ollie Watkins' goal was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, really yeah, really good goals, both of them, unfortunately. And I did I did put Watkins in my team, my fancy team, for a bit of new manager bounce. I thought well that might done. happen. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he does there. Obviously, he's tried to say it's not a stepping stone to Liverpool job, but he can't possibly. I think there's several stones before you get to Liverpool from there. No, I think he could do an average job there and he'll still get it eventually. Well, yes, it's his to throw away, isn't it? Absolutely. But uh, I did do a slight double take hearing the words on Match of the Day. What a start to the Steven Gerrard era at Villa Park. I mean, if I if someone had played me that a few months or years ago, I would have found that hard to believe. But somehow it's transpired. And of course, his good old mate John Terry was there for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. How is his manager search going? I know he quit his job, didn't he, to focus on management. Not sure he's actually got yeah. a job yet. And I know you want to talk about Frank Lampard's manager's <laughs> well, managerial they all fall career. The same, they all fall under the same bracket, don't they? Waiting for the perfect job and all that. I don't know what the perfect job is for Frank Lampard. He, he either rules himself out of jobs because he's too good for them. or So what's well, he turned down recently? Newcastle, Norwich? Norwich, by all accounts, applied for the Palace job, but did an abysmal interview. So yeah. it says The Athletic. <laughs> you're love, you're no Vieira, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We'd prefer a powerful central midfielder who was a real legend in his time. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> uh, he'll end up with like a job in China, won't he? Or um, the MLS, maybe. Yeah. Godspeed, Frank. That leaves us just with uh, Wolves and West Ham on Saturday. Another great goal for Raul Jimenez, a player that I always admire. And uh, West Ham, well, it had to come to an end at some time, didn't it? But they're still three clear of the Gooners. And uh, there's every reason to think that they can stay in amongst it till after Christmas. Wolves very much climbing under the radar. Are they up yes. to sixth now? Yes, I'm, Wolves I'm... are up to six, level with us. And of course, mm. just on goal difference, nudging ahead. Yeah, starting week. to think a point against them a couple of weeks ago wasn't so bad after all. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they're doing... I, I, I was convinced they're in the bottom half. I was really surprised to see they were up to sixth, but ticking along nicely, it would seem. And then on Sunday, uh, in the early game, Manchester City 
3, Everton 0. Paul, you live up in that part of the world, so to speak. You know a few toffees, don't you? Why can they just not make it work? And was it always going to be like this when they signed Rafa? Or are you surprised? Yeah, you mentioned the radar before. I mean, the, the fastest thing on the radar is is, is clearly Everton um, free-falling. And with Rafa at the helm, I think it makes the whole thing a lot more painful. Lots of Everton fans did not want him there. And it's going to be a very, very difficult job. Why can they not make it work? Well, I'm not entirely sure. You know, they've shown some good signs. Um, clearly, Four defeats, is it, in the last five? Is Yeah, four defeats. And, and of course, they didn't lose to us because we can't hit the goal. <laughs> but that, you know, that's relegation four. You know, it's yeah, absolutely. Not a good place to be in. And it's going to be a tricky run towards Christmas. I think, do they play Brentford next? Well, guess what's around the corner? The Maisie Sad Derby. <laughs> yes. The you Derby, know, as they call it. I, do you know what? I wouldn't rule out a little twist there. I, I know it traditionally goes red yeah <laughs> all senses of the word but i wouldn't rule a, a little uh, upset out there liverpool i would not unbeatable <laughs> um, this year no i agree we we talked about this last week i don't think liverpool or anything like the title winning that imperious form but i i don't know without calvert lewin and any sort of defense it would seem i'd, I'd struggle to see them getting anything like that is it is it at anfield as well uh it's at goodison and I should just remind you that in February, uh, Everton got their first win at an albeit empty Anfield. Uh, the first time it went blue in over a decade. We'll see. COVID football doesn't count, of course. No, of course not. No. Just on this game, though, um, did everyone enjoy Rodrigo's Thunderbolt? Rodri? Rodri. To give him a it's a shortened version of his name. Absolutely magnificent, yes. Did that get deflected? Or was that just me? No, I think it was just, there was a player right in front of me. I think it might have been Alan. And yeah, the power of it was just uh, magnificent. And also Foden's assist for Sterling, I enjoyed very much. I believe it was Cancelo. Sorry, yes, Cancelo's magnificent assist for Sterling. Yeah, thank you. uh, He's in my fantasy side, I should know that. The angle from behind, if you've not seen it, the way he curves it with the outside of his boot is phenomenal. I think he's surprised a lot of people. I think he's probably one of the best players in, in the league this season. Can say yeah, absolutely. Certainly yeah, in terms of uh, fantasy points, that bears out, yeah. So let's move on to a very quick rundown of the international break that we've just been through. I'm going to mention some significant results and you can feel free to comment or not. So we start, of course, on the first day of European action. Republic of Ireland, nil. Portugal, nil. Asterisk, Pepe, red card. George? Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'd laughed at reading that article in the, I think it was The Athletic over the summer, about what a nice guy he is. Yeah. Absolutely boggles my mind. Who does his PR? (laughs) I don't know. So that was the start of a terrible few days for Ronaldo and Portugal because uh, three days later, then they then lost to Serbia with a last-minute goal by yes. Paul. My, my favourite Fulham striker. Exactly. Alexander Mitrovic. This was marvellous. There was, there was so, much, so many footnotes to this game. I don't have it to hand, but Portugal's unbeaten record at home. Yes. The qualifiers stretched back years. And they took the lead uh, in comical fashion. Everything was going their way, but it just, well, Rio Patricio dropped the ball in the net on his 100th cap, which was uh, sad for him. 
but my favourite part of the game was was after the match, if anyone's not seen it, Mitrovic came back out of the tunnel in just his underpants and a bottle of Coke, which I can only assume was a bit of a dig at Ronaldo. <laughs> And danced in front of the handful of Serbian fans in the gods, and it was. Uh, I'd not seen that. That's absolutely great. brilliant. And, uh, and Ronaldo did absolutely nothing for such a big game. Um, oh, that goes without saying. And Nick's not here to gainsay <laughs> us, so that's fine. And uh, since the return fixture in Serbia was two-two, this game had it all on the line, didn't it? And uh, they were equal on points going into it. Final qualifier, and Portugal handed the group win to Serbia with that result. That means. Portugal are in these playoffs where they are joined by Scotland who won 2-0 in Moldova and then 2-0 at home to Denmark who won the group are we watching the birth of a Scotland side who win games comfortably maybe did Denmark not lost the game or dropped any points before this game in well this exactly I there's a sort of game Incredible. at Hamden that you can you can see Scotland maybe losing in the last minute or something like that but certainly not coasting to a 2-0 win and with this, they get a home tie. Is that right? Yes, they're seeded for the playoffs, which are just one game. And that draw will be made on the 26th of November. So later this week in Zurich, we will find out the uh, playoff paths from Europe to the World Cup. Seeded teams are Portugal, Scotland, Russia, Sweden, Wales, after uh, drawing with Belgium in their final game. And of course, Paul, with your surname Caputo, our listeners can imagine why you have special interest in Italy. A bit of a flop in this group, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Not the first time they've sort of struggled to get going after a a summer of celebration. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, Northern Ireland were pretty good, you know. It could actually have have been worse as well for Italy because Connor Washington missed what can only be described as a sitter. Uh, towards the end so it, it you know it could have been worse but you know it's a fairly young Italian team I think sometimes that team struggles for ideas a little bit yeah you know, there's not much on the bench so when they're when they're struggling to break teams down I think they can they can seem a, a little bit slow and a, a little bit wooden ideas exactly you know and however with Johnny Evans man of the match I think you know, questions have to be asked <laughs> Fair point, indeed. And they will go into this playoff now. You'd have to hope and think that they'd come through it. The uh, unseeded teams, the teams that they can face are Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, and two teams who didn't even finish first or second in their groups, but who go through to the playoffs because of their performance in the preceding Nations League. I know it's all wonderfully simple. That's Austria and Czech Republic. Yeah, and like I mentioned, uh, Wales got that draw with Belgium, which means that they finished second in their group above the Czech Republic, who went through anyway, so everyone's happy in Group E. England, well, 5-0 Albania, 10-0 San Marino, goals for 15, goals against zero, and still not all that much positivity from that week because everybody in this country just uh, complains that we even have to play these games. But I think elsewhere in Europe, as we've already tried to get across, that was quite a fun international break, even if people in England are just complaining about the need for it. George, 
any comments on the England games that you'd like to make? Not especially, but just on the fact that we've had so many international breaks. I wonder if people are just a bit tired. You mean summer especially of, because of COVID? Uh, yeah, having a summer of international football is, is very fun. But, I mean, I don't just mean this because Leeds have had a very indifferent start to the season, but it doesn't actually feel like the Premier League season's really properly started for me. Yeah. Because it you have know, two or three games and stop again. Well, I, I was going that, to say, now we have League and Cup football uninterrupted for four mm, months. Does that fill you with dread or with excitement? Given the aforementioned December of death, um, a lot of dread. But just as a general football fan, I think there's a, over 100 Premier League games for the next break, which I think is how it should be. I'm very much looking forward to the 23-24 season, which will be the most normal season for years because there'll be no COVID, no extended breaks. and No, no Qatar World Cup. No Qatar World Cup. That'll be quite a normal season all the yeah. while. But no, no comment on England. Just they did what they had to do. They they can't actually win, can they? With these exactly, games? yeah. Um, they struggle to win, and they'll get crucified. They, they it's their fault. The level of opposition if they win comfortably. So no, just happy we're not part of that. Those playoffs. Now, Paul, the international break must feel exceptionally pointless for you down in the Championship because it applies to that league, uh, and yet you lose hardly any players to it, with the honourable exception at Blackburn of Ben Brereton Diaz. Yes, of course, he has taken Chile by storm. Um, <laughs> so internationals are beginning to have a sort of carnival feeling to them at the moment. As the, uh, the chap from Stoke has suddenly found his scoring boots. Although not in this break, sadly. No, no. I, it's incredible, really. A couple, two years ago, I don't think he could stand up. And he has now turned into, uh, you know, an international striker who is... A goal scorer as well, not just a ball holding striker. He, you know, he's contributing all over the pitch all the time. Um, he's a he's a changed man. I don't know what they said to him uh, <laughs> during his his, his uh, few weeks in South America, but um, it seems to have had more of a fe- of an effect on him who's, than Tony Mowbray's guidance. Who's got who's got more to be thankful for? Are the, should the Chileans be thankful to Rovers, or do do Blackburn have the Chileans for something to thank here? I genuinely feel that this is a partnership that has got legs. And I think <laughs> Chile and Rovers can benefit in equal measure. Is a, a January move on the cards? Has that been talked about yet? To Newcastle. Uh, yeah, almost. Yeah. I mean, Rovers are not in a uh, particularly healthy financial position. The owners, unbelievably, are still there um, and, and are, still, uh, are still funding it out of out of their back pockets but it's been a a difficult 18 months and I think you know we've been completely saved by the uh, 15 million or so million pound sale of Adam Armstrong to Southampton and it wouldn't surprise me if we looked to try and get another 15 million or so Bielsa would be keen yeah Bielsa will certainly have his eye on him won't he he might be too mainstream for Bielsa I suppose So Chile lost at home to Ecuador, terrible result that leaves them on 16 points in sixth place. And you know that the the first four in South American qualifying qualify automatically. The fifth goes to an inter-confederation playoff. Uh, And you have Uruguay, Chile, Peru and Colombia all bunched up there fighting for it. Ecuador, who I remember last time round had a strong start and then fell away, are six points clear of this pack on 23 points which is really impressive for them but um, with four games still to go I think they could be reeled in Brazil Argentina perhaps uh, predictably 
over in Argentina ended nil-nil, a very violent nil-nil, as you know, George, because your darling Rafinha got a got uh, who was it, Otamendi's elbow in his face? Of course face. it was. Of course it was Otamendi. And it wasn't just uh, uproar from Leeds fans. There was enough uproar from Brazil that the referee and VAR uh, official were suspended for the following round of fixtures. Yeah, that's um, right. They actually not looked on it. They looked into it and they actually punished the refs for getting it wrong. Imagine that happening over here. Never. The unimpeachable um, Premier League referees <laughs> and the championship. I don't know the state of championship refereeing, Paul, but perhaps let's not get into that, eh? Yeah, I think that's um, potentially not one for now. <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure there was time uh, since you were so unusually curious about internationals and rovers. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that obviously we referenced Ryan Nyambe's game for Namibia at home to Togo last week well thank you so much because i have to say that was not on the radar indeed so i'm all in favor of ben bretton diaz getting his uh getting his credit but you know there are plenty of top international footballers in blackburn these days are namibia in with a shout no senegal have ran away with it okay fair enough so uh back to conmebol for one last point of trivia do either of you know who is the top scorer in what we all know is the world's most competitive qualification format. Do we get their country? I think you'd have to be uh, exceptionally knowledgeable for the country to give it away. Yes, uh, he's Bolivian. Oh, right, okay. Was, did he score in the uh, last game of Tabarez's reign for Uruguay? <laughs> Shoehorn that in, George. Well done. I, I, I couldn't believe he managed nearly 200 games at international level. That's um, right. Oscar Tabarez. Uh, who I believe they call the professor. He's a former teacher uh, or even teaches alongside his managerial career, which sadly is no more after a 3-0 win, uh, 3-0 defeat to Bolivia at altitude there in La Paz. But Uruguay really are in trouble. This was a bad fortnight, especially because they lost 1-0 at home to Argentina also, uh, Angel Di Mario goal. But yes, the third goal for Bolivia was scored by Marcelo Moreno, who is now on nine goals in these in this qualification campaign. He is one of those journeymen. He's aged 34 now. He's played across Brazil, across South America indeed. Uh, he's played in China. He's played a couple of games for Werder Bremen. He's been at Shakhtar, of course. And a decade ago, he had a 12-game loan spell at Wigan Athletic. A good formative experience, no doubt. So I just wanted to give him his due. <laughs> Now, let's turn our attention to the continent this weekend. And Paul, in Italy, it is all going off. And I know that Napoli are very close to your heart from the south there, where your family's from. Neither Napoli nor Milan had lost a single game this season so far. They're tied at the top on level points. Milan go to Fiorentina on Saturday night, lose 4-3 in an absolute humdinger. And then Napoli go to the San Siro to face Inter and lose 3-2, which means Inter are now just four points behind those leaders. It's a fantastic title race with, for once, uh, Juventus nowhere to be seen, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that Juventus are nowhere to be seen. I think that really livens things up in Italy. Yeah. Napoli did well at the San Siro, dominated possession as they, as they like to do. Um, Gave away the inevitable penalty. Yeah, you know, they do get a little bit frantic at the back. Yeah. But I think I think Napoli this year will go on and do it. I think this is the year. 
Oh, can you imagine? And they had Diego's face on their shirts on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely uh, insane. It, it's it's also brilliant to imagine Mourinho is uh, <laughs> pacing up and down with frustration, just yeah. uh, just out of the conversation. He would love to be in this conversation, but he just isn't. His Roma side are in fifth uh, after Juventus beat Lazio at the weekend. Roma and Lazio, the two sides from the capital, they're just outside the Champions League places. Atalanta, somewhere in between. And like I said, the two Milan sides and Napoli right at the top. And it's going to go all the way, it feels like. At Fiorentina, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. Fiorentina raced into a 3-0 lead after an hour. At 2-0 down, purely made a triple sub. Ibra scored two, of course. Brought it back to 3-2, but uh, a late error in the Milan defence gave Fiorentina a fourth goal, which was too much for Milan to come back from. Over in France, Messi got his first league goal, I believe. 3-1 win over Nantes. But the real story was at uh, Lyon-Marseille. Another Marseille match uh, suspended because of crowd trouble. Of course, it was Dimitri Payet who was hit by a bottle. I say, of course, you know, Nobody, nobody deserves that. I'm not condoning it, but it's somehow unsurprising that it was him. Uh, so that was called off or suspended after five minutes only, after the similar scenes at Nice versus Marseille earlier in the season. Although I have to say those scenes were far, far worse. In Germany, former West Ham player Reese Oxford featured in the Augsburg defence when Augsburg beat champions, serial champions, Bayern 2-1. And he I'd was love- the next big thing. He was, yeah. Years ago now, yeah. Another really, really surprising defeat on a Friday night for Bayern after that cup exit a couple of weeks ago that we talked about. I'd love to just flag up the uh, evergreen Robert Lewandowski, former Blackburn Rovers transfer target, of course, Paul. Yep. But I'd love to flag up his goal in this, which turned out to be a consolation goal, but it really did remind me of clips of Gerd Müller, who obviously uh, passed away earlier this year. Just a wonderful goal in tight space on the spin. Fantastic. This all means that Bayern are only a point clear of Borussia Dortmund with what we call Der Klassiker coming up fairly soon. I don't think that Dortmund, much as many people would like them to win the league and break the Bayern monotony, I don't think they're a title-winning side this year. But it would be nice to see the title race go a bit further than it has in previous years. In Spain, Xavi had his first game at the helm of Barcelona in the Barcelona derby against Espanyol. Memphis Depay penalty, 1-0. So they're up to sixth after their first win in five league games. Maybe that's the crisis over at Barcelona. Do you think that Xavi can do wonders there or do you think they, being broke, they just can't turn it round with a threadbare squad, George? And of course... well. Also, we should mention Aguero has had to retire with those heart problems. Very yeah, sad. Very, very sad. One of the best finishes, I think, yeah. we've seen in our lifetime. Barcelona, well, it's all on do they qualify for the Champions League? Because I think if they don't, then it really is an, another level of crisis there. Well, exactly. Yeah, they're but, back within what you'd call touching distance, perhaps. Yeah, that's all they can hope for, right, is to qualify and not to miss out on the financial side of that. Because obviously they're not going to challenge for the title. Yeah, I think it was always going to happen. Obviously, with Xavi, it didn't, didn't shock anyone, I don't think, in football. Yeah, but, perhaps sooner um, than even he expected, though. True. Yeah, and he'll obviously be given a lot more time than many other people would be. So yes, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. 
maybe uh, maybe in a similar vein to Ollie. One three, more game. One a three game. a three year interim period, as uh, as our friend Nick told us. But yeah, you have four very strong sides in those places at the moment. Real Madrid, of course, but uh, Real Sociedad and Sevilla having great seasons, and then you've got Simeone's Atletico Madrid. So one of those would have to be dislodged for Barcelona to get in there. So this midweek, we've got Champions League. Of course, the seemingly never-ending saga of that Group F with Manchester United continues with their trip to Villarreal. Villarreal and Man United are tied on seven points, and Atalanta are going to burn to play young boys in midweek. So there is a conceivable scenario where all those three teams are on eight points going into the final match day. That's what I would like to see there. Otherwise of interest, I think, is certainly Group B. Liverpool, of course, played 4-1-4. But I think what's very interesting there is that Milan, bottom of the group with just a single point after four games, can still go through because they are away at Atletico Madrid this week and then they travel to Porto on the final match day. And if they were to finish on seven points, they could finish conceivably ahead of both Porto and Atletico Madrid if or if everything went their way. So I think Atletico Madrid Milan has to be the one to watch there this week. And next week in the Premier League, we've mentioned Leeds at Brighton, Saturday tea time on the telly. So we're all watching you next week. Lovely stuff. Uh, Arsenal, did... Newcastle. Could be a bit of fun. Let's hope Eddie Howe gets a hold of that crop. And plenty of games on Sunday because of the Europa League commitments. You've got Brentford, Everton. Rafa really needs some points there, you'd think. We're away at Burnley. Leicester at home to the homecoming for Ranieri, shall we say. Watford. Man City, West Ham. And then the Super Sunday offering is league leaders Chelsea against rudderless Manchester United. Or who knows, maybe they'll have got their ducks in a row by then, but don't count on it. So let's just finish for today, Paul, with a few words on the championship. Like I said at the start, Blackburn in amongst it, in a conversation, even if I don't know what that conversation should be. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I mean, Peterborough are up next at Ewood Park. Um, Not a fixture that we... I've seen that often. I think uh, we've only played three times um, in, in recent decades. Yeah, they're down there in the relegation zone, aren't they? Yeah, funny team. Not as bad as the league table looks. Um, but really, the Rovers should be winning that kind of fixture if they've got any ambitions whatsoever to uh, attack those playoff spots. A few injury problems, perhaps. Uh, and in fact, we've been following Ian Perveda's loan spell from Leeds with interest. He's added a, a quite an interesting little creative dynamic to the side, but he looks like he's going to be out. But I think Mowbray will persist with this sort of 4-3-3. So we'll find someone to stand on the wing and keep the shape. Now, in the context of all these terrible results for Solskjaer uh, in front of a home crowd in recent weeks that we've been discussing, would you like to tell us about the fallout of Rovers' 7-0 reverse to Fulham a couple of weeks ago? Well, it was it was clearly unacceptable. I think, that's probably, <laughs> I think that's the worst ever defeat at Ewood Park in history. So we're, really? We're going back to the... You know, to the, the late 19th century, it was the worst ever defeat at Ewood Park. Hobnail boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can call it a blip. You know, it, we've been scoring goals. We've been trying to go forwards. We've we've had a few high scoring games. And I think Fulham are obviously a good side, but they were just considerably better and everything they hit went in. 
Is there the white heat of criticism on Mowbray after a result like that or not quite? No, not really. Do you know what? It's hard to... Um, a couple more defeats and Mowbray will be under pressure. We've right. had quite a few years now of Mowbray-style stability and it's now really... It's a steady hand. Yeah, it's been a steady hand because the club was in an absolute turmoil for, for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, but I think... It's just he's in danger of being the nearly man. You know, every time they get within two points of the, the playoff position, yeah. they lose four on the bounce and it's season over. And that's something that he's really got to put right this year. Would you say that there's an expectation at Ewood Park for the for Rovers to go up or would you characterise it more as a hope? Well, from a personal perspective, um, I think it's a hope. But I think if you talk to Blackburn fans, there is a genuine belief that they are a Premier League club. You know, they have Premier League facilities, they have Premier League history. You know, you look at some of the other teams in the Premier League, um, they are not bigger clubs. Yeah. Of course, there's no no divine right to be there, but what, what you can see now is, is just how much that TV money can help sustain a club. Another way of putting that, perhaps, is there's a lot of dross in the Premier League. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's, there are a lot of teams that just a few years ago, you would really raise an eyebrow to, to see them there. Having said that, I've been watching football for a, a long time now. I've seen a lot of clubs come and go. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you can look down at uh, League Two now and see even, even, you know, even lower than that. And you can see clubs that really were up there. Yeah. Um, Fallen giants. 15, 20 years ago. So um, I would love to have you on again in coming weeks to apprise us of Rovers' progress. We hope you're still in amongst it uh, after the difficult Christmas period and uh, certainly would love to see you in contention for some excitement next spring. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much, George. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. And uh, we'll be back next week to discuss another eventful week in football. Cheers, guys. Bye.